0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow.
1: Get in zone, auto zone, Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road.
2: Get in zone, auto.
1: So what if I need a new one? We have the right Duralast battery for you, only at AutoZone.
2: Get in zone, AutoZone.
1: And what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination.
2: Get in the zone. Auto zone.
1: Restrictions apply.
3: At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.
4: Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Nakuni, joined today by the New York Times best-selling author of the book, Blood in the Garden, my good homie Chris Herring. Chris, how's it going? What's
5: good, my dude? How are you?
4: I'm chilling, you know, just uh, enjoying what we consider to be fall weather in Los Angeles, which is 65 degrees and sunny during the day, and people wearing parkas and stuff like that. Um, how you? Is it
5: warmer with? here in Chicago than it is in?
4: Is it LA? really? How warm look... is it there?
5: Uh, hold on. <laughs> Waiting for the weather app so, up to up, update. Up it apologies been, it's,
4: to daryl swenson as we talk about the weather here for a brief but second.
5: no it's been it, i mean it's been in the it's been in the, <laughs> the 60s 70s for like the last week or two my, my weather that's weird is being slow but it, like new york it's 65 today it's raining in new york but the high 70 so the weather's been really warm i think like midwest east coast Oh, that's so a good
4: sign that sounds really promising for our long-term future Huh. Oh no, it's
5: forty-seven here in Chicago right now, but it'll get up to sixty. So <laughs> it is go. what it is.
4: There we go. <laughs> um, Chris, we were just talking off the air about like the impending Michigan Ohio State clash that's coming this year. I, Michigan's in the top four of the college football playoff rankings, right?
5: They're yeah, they're number three right now.
4: Um, how confident are you feeling in their chances to to a make the playoff, b win the title this year?
5: Um, I mean, it it basically comes down to a question of like, how confident are you that they're going to beat Ohio State? Because if they don't beat Ohio State, I feel like they're, even though I think they might be good enough to make the playoff, I think that their schedule is going to screw them over. They played Hawaii, Colorado State, and some other kind of bum opponent. Um, I think Mm -hmm. they pulled UCLA from their schedule a year or two ago that they would have played this year, which would have really helped if they played them and beaten them in the non-conference. But, um, I mean, honestly, it's weird. I feel like they look better than they did last year. Um, Most of us weren't overly confident going into the Ohio State game last year. uh, And then they kind of trounced them. So now Ohio State's going to be ready. They're playing at home. Um, I'm a little bit curious how their quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, will look in that game he can really throw it he's really athletic he, he runs like a 4 it. 5 40. He, can sling it. he can I mean I looked at the game that that they played against Rutgers it was kind of scary for one half he had so many drops where he put the ball right on the receiver <laughs> he, he's he's like a gunslinger but he's really accurate is the thing a lot of the time and I felt like because it was Rutgers they actually let him throw more so I think Michigan will run the ball well I think they'll defend pretty well against Ohio State um I don't feel real confident that they're going to win, but I feel like they actually on paper kind of match up better Mm -hmm. than they did even last year. So I just think the road factor and the fact that like Ohio state's not going to get embarrassed twice in a row, Mm -hmm. that sort of feel around it. So it sucks if they go 11 and one and miss out on the playoff because of that one loss and their non-conference schedule, I'll be disappointed, but it, it kind of feels like it's trending that way. Um, I I would love to be wrong just because (laughs) this is one of the best Michigan teams I've seen in a while. We were talking off air about the O six team that was undefeated and played an undefeated Ohio State team and um mm-hmm. you know and came up just short, but uh some some similar vibes to that team, yeah. I think.
4: Shout out to Dolphins legend Chad Henney. I just want to hit you with two quick questions and then we'll get into basketball. But number one, if you if your life depended on it, could you still sing the Michigan fight song front to back? Yes. Okay, respect. Two. <laughs> what would it take? For Life you to- wouldn't even have to depend on it for me to do <laughs> you, you that. Just but go do ahead. It, you just do it for- <laughs> Number two. What would it take for you to go to a game dressed like 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 Jim Harbaugh? Like you're wearing a fake headset and everything. Like if they made Can it I to just- the Natty, if they made it to the Natty, would you go in full Harbaugh costume?
5: Can I just be real in saying that? I, like, I get that that is a cute concept. I don't know that black people really want to go out of their way to look like Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> like, I don't want to look like Dilbert. Like, there's no reason to do that. Um, I like Dilbert. look respect. I I dressed up as you know. I, I made a joke uh, at Halloween that I uh, that I was dressed as Bro Um <laughs> with my you know. I had on like a Michigan um, hoodie, a Michigan hat. I wore some sunglasses. Uh, I wore some Michigan colors sneakers. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, those sneakers are fresh. Like, oh, this is kind of <laughs> cool that you're wearing that. It was because Michigan had a game that I was excited to watch. They were playing a night game against Michigan State um i had not thought far enough ahead to get a uh, halloween costume so that would do you know but i never had i have khakis but never had any interest in okay. wearing them okay okay but you so do that own i could look khakis. like Harbo. okay interesting i do own some but it's like i'm definitely not rocking them to try to like <laughs> all right that that was cute that would that concept was like cute for a year and then you know it the the okay was it the the it jumped the shark with regards gotcha. to harbaugh having a a khaki deal and everything else i was like this is too much it's not that like yes he has a style you're
4: anti nil for coaches
5: (laughs) yeah they make enough money as
4: is (laughs) so yeah Um, anyway all right your love of michigan is so pure i just had to ask i had to know for sure let's get into some basketball today a lot of things we want to get to. A bunch of emails I want to get to. Uh, please keep the emails coming in. OpenFloorMail at gmail.com. Definitely want to hit some emails today. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show, just in general. Everyone who hits us up lets us know that they're listening to OpenFloor. I just want to say we really appreciate it. Chris, I want to start in the Western Conference today. And I want to start at the top of the conference, where there's one team that's just capturing the imagination of the basketball viewing public. Uh That's the Utah Jazz. We had multiple people write in and ask us about the Utah Jazz. This one comes from Elaine, who says, Hello, Rohan, Chris, and John. Is there any way to keep this core group of the Utah Jazz together without trading anyone and still build for the future? This is my favorite team this season so far. I love how they play. Thanks, Ellie. That's just one question we got, and we got Michael Flanagan here. Hey, Rohan and friends. I don't know what the solution is, but the NBA needs to work harder to eliminate tanking. A consistent story this week in the NBA is what an impressive start to the season the Jazz have had. However, that conversation almost immediately devolves into they've been fun this year, but Danny Ainge really needs to start trading away players. Speaking of Danny Ainge, by the way, our Chris Mannix spoke to Danny Ainge. Uh, You can read that on SI.com. Danny Ainge, at least saying in public, he's happy with the team winning. He doesn't care about them tanking. Uh, Michael goes on to write, "Why is you know tanking a good system? Why should victories make me feel anything but happiness?" Uh, as it relates to the Jazz as well as his hometown Pacers. So let's start in Utah, Chris. Before we even get into any kind of tanking conversation here, what have you made of this team? Uh, like, at what point do we have to start saying this is for real? I, honestly, I,
5: I think I, I'm going to give it like maybe one two more weeks at most Mm -hmm. and at that point i mean because here's the thing they've played like a decent enough schedule um yeah i feel like that's one of the first things you look at when a team jumps out to this sort of start which by the way this is not five and one or five and two they're they're ten and three they this is the best record And, and keep in mind the jazz have had the one seed in recent history um this is the best record they've had in 16 years through 13 games um, you've got to go back quite a ways to, to find that last time they were kind of playing this well uh, to start a season. It's unexpected, but I think, you know, as we've talked about before, um, this is a team of m- mostly veteran guys. It's not the same as, like, the Pistons. It's not the same as the Magic. It's not the same as the Pacers. It's a lot of guys that actually know how to play. And my thought sometimes has been when you, when you get new teams – that haven't played together, um, sometimes because there's not much film on them at all. Um, teams don't really know what they're up against. Um, that, that the combinations and the different lineups kind of catch you off guard a little bit. There are enough new faces to where that could be the case. And they're scrappy. These are guys that, because Danny Ainge, I think, made it very clear, was trying to trade more guys than he actually did this offseason. Anybody could go at any time. You know, Anybody could be sold off at any time. Uh, so these are guys that are trying to impress for the next team impress for their current team play for contracts you know uh, to have good rehab stories whether it's someone like Colin Sexton or what have you Conley even though his numbers were okay last year had like a rough season certainly a rough playoff um these guys have something to prove and mm-hmm. and so there's mm-hmm. that part of it they have a style and you know let, let's be honest about some of it too um <laughs> it's not shocking now in light of how well Utah is playing that Minnesota is struggling. I know we're going to talk Mm. about that on this podcast. Minnesota gave up very real pieces in this trade aside from just the picks. Right. And a couple of those guys have been impactful. Uh, Three of them, really. When you look at Beasley, uh, you look at Vanderbilt and you look at the fact that they got Talon Horton Tucker, from the Lakers after flipping, Bro, Taylor Tucker's
4: been hooping. It, I mean, throwing game, down dunks I was like I was like, where was this? Ah, step back three, drive to the lane, brush off. I was like, dude, where has this guy been? It's
5: it's a legit team, and it's like you've got a lot of guys that are comfortable with the ball in their hands, comfortable making plays. I mean, you can't say enough about how good marketing has looked. How much better marketing has looked than he ever really has, and that might be the part that, like, to some extent. How real is that? But the thing is, up until pretty re- he wasn't really shooting that well.
4: No, his three-point shooting wasn't that good. And he's still been, it feels like he was he's shooting okay. under 30%, but it still felt like, A, when I watched him, he was making every three, but B, like, right. <laughs> it was just a, un, it was like not unstoppable, but like, oh, like he's a problem for this team tonight. He's a, that was it every night. I'm just like, when you watch them, what's stood out to you most, what, what do you just enjoy the most when you watch them about what they're doing on the floor?
5: Well, I, I think the, the main part, they, they really hustle. They're really aggressive about trying to, to snag uh, opportunities off the glass. Um, Vanderbilt really stands out in that regard. I think one of the things I noticed, particularly when I was looking at like clips of Markinen and just kind of his highlights and his, his scoring attempts, he's moving off the ball really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, gets into the lane as a cutter, as a back cutter. Um, and to that same effect, like, they're just how much they share the ball. Because it's really not a team that has, like, I mean, you know, depending on how you feel about Clarkson or what you feel like Markinen is developing into. It doesn't have a true to number some one. Yeah. Right. There's there's certainly not a true number one on this team. And so because of that, they're really well balanced. Like, everybody can score a little bit, but no one's ball dominant. Clarkson is assisting at really the highest rate he ever has, and is really because of Conley aging a little bit. Is kind of serving as like their their point guard, um, but you look at like their clutch stuff and their clutch time uh, numbers, their assist percentage, in the
4: clutch is like eighty percent. Bro, they um, they are the team that is like most committed, I think, in the clutch to playing non- clutch basketball like they don't slow it down the ball's still mm-hmm. moving they're not holding for uh, possession you know and they get threes they get so many threes
5: you know you know who they remind me of one of the best stories I remember reading like in the last 10 12 years Tom Haberstro did a story on the Grizzlies like the great mm-hmm. Grand Grizzlies and how um how they for years for like six years running were like one of the three or four most effective teams in the clutch mm. and his theory that with was a great it was, story. Like, yeah, you remember it. it was, was yeah. his I sound was like LeBron they...
4: making a lie, but I, that was a great story. <laughs> that was a really good story. I love I I, I yeah. the, the grit and grind Grizzlies so much, but it, it's who, a conversation of a different who time. Who does it unless you yeah. got
5: knocked out by him yeah. or something in the playoffs? Like They were great. Um, but Tom's takeaway in that story basically was that those Grizzlies played at such a slow pace that every minute of every game felt like the clutch because they didn't go through one guy – Um, you know, but maybe at the time they had Rudy Gay, they kind of were, and that was the problem. But, you know, once they got past that, they were essentially going through everybody, just whoever had the best shot. They were playing at such a slow pace that the game slowed down. So clutch time didn't feel any different to them Mm -hmm. than the rest of the game. Look at Utah's pace this year. They're not dead last, but they're very, their pace, I think is in the, is their pace in the eighties this year? I think it is. Their pace is 89.4. This just, are, no, that's, that's their pace in the clutch so let's look at their pace generally their pace, speaking their
4: pace overall i got it it's 100.96 so they're normally playing about oh so i pulled their again. wrong
5: pace either way they're very, yeah. very very slow in 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 the clutch uh they're they're average and and just regular stuff so i mean they're not it's not a night and day shift for them yeah the way it would be for some teams like they're not playing really really up tempo um and so I think on some level that helps them, that their offense doesn't have one guy that everything's riding on that person. Oh, now because everything's riding on them, exactly. they're going to get doubled. Everybody just it's just whoever has the best look. It's really equal opportunity. Markinen has been the guy that's really, you know, really shown through so far. But everybody else has been capable and they've had guys shooting well. Mm-hmm. Um to some extent outside of Morgan. Yeah. Um I mean it's, they're, it's taking, just they're taking they're
4: taking Forty threes a night, shooting thirty seven point seven. Their fourth and threes attempted, eighth and three point field goal percentage. Like they mm. can shoot,
5: they can shoot. Um, I mean, their their offensive rebound rate so far is thirty two point one. So they're they're getting good shots. They can shoot. They're sharing the ball. It's an unpredictable team that plays really really hard. Um, and you know, has been way better collectively than I thought, Think any of us would have mm-hmm. imagined. Uh, but they're really fun. And I, I, I mean, I genuinely hope. I, I know that that's the frustration. Even I wrote my newsletter this week about the fact that this has been kind of like a Revenge of the Nerds sort of season so far as far as a lot of the teams. Even if they're not good, they have not been bad. The Pacers have yeah. not been bad. They're the Magic. Are we,
4: are you sent this tweet the other night. And I, we were talking about the Magic looks so good um, yeah. down the stretch against the Warriors the other night. And, you know. Who did they play the other night? Franz Wagner was hitting like turnarounds in the paint. Um, um, they they only have two wins, I think, so far this season. And yeah. I couldn't believe that. Like I I watched them. They're because they're, they're in, in every game. Yeah,
5: they're in every game, and uh, yeah. I I love that about them. Um, I mean, it, it's been. I mean, you, you've had the Pistons that have struggled a little bit, but the Spurs mm-hmm. have been fine. Yeah, the Spurs were basically. It's it's kind of run counter to everything we've thought. Because on the one hand, we're watching Winbanyama dominate every game he plays Mm -hmm. and and cross people up and dribble through his legs for eight dribbles in a row and hit running three-point jumpers. Um, You would think that teams would just fall flat on purpose. Not the players, but, you know, that would be even more of a reason to sell off all your best talent. Um, But, I mean, it it is going to be like a a situation here where Chris Mannix and the report that he had today from Ainge – yeah, we're gonna see. I mean, Ainge yeah. to his credit, he didn't say that. Well, let's let's get into that. To, let's get into so, that
4: Ainge quote because I wanted to bring it up. This this sure. is uh, the big kind of pull quote from the story. Uh, Danny Ainge on the belief that he is bothered by Utah's early season success. <laughs> quote: "It's assumed that's how I feel. Give me a break. I've been accused of this. Is paraphrasing building teams to lose before it's never been true." End quote. So that's basically Danny Ainge saying, "I've never been one to tank." Um, Obviously that's what we all thought the Jazz were going to do They're now 10-3 and 3. I still don't know how Sustainable this is as much as I love them I'm not going to suggest they tank but do you think for example Someone like and Has done enough to be a building Block like what, what do you see a core Emerging here or at least You know if they're being serious about we got to keep This team together we got to add to this team Who are the guys you think that have stood out To you in terms of this guy's Got to be a part of whatever comes next like do they try like marketing is on a great contract and could help any team in the league. I thought he was pretty good in Cleveland last year. He was a good part of that team defensively when, even when they were playing those weird three big lineups, that to me is the real piece there. Is that someone who they should keep or do they cash in on it? I think
5: marketing and you keep because of exactly what you just said, unless you just get a godfather. I mean, I'm not Godfather. he's not a, but you might, you
4: can. never know a team gets desperate. I mean, you,
5: you might get something. You're, he's not the Tyler Hero in, in a first. <laughs> I, I I don't. I mean, I don't you're think you do throw it. A, you're gonna have to throw yeah. a lot of money in there to make that even match yeah. with what Hero yeah. Hero's about to make now. But I mean, it, it's look. I think you probably keep him because he's 25, and that's the yeah. thing. Is like, I'm always more open to guys, and you know, the arguments I have with my best friend, even who for a while has kind of been out on Patrick Williams. He's a huge Bulls fan. Um, and it's like, yeah, but I also think when I think about the Bulls and Patrick Williams, I think about Wendell Carter, who's looked really, really good since getting to yeah. Orlando. Sometimes you just need a change of scenery. Markin looked good and fit really well with an, kind of an unusual lineup in Cleveland. Now he's with a team that is completely different, that kind of doesn't have an, a, a, a go-to guy. And I don't necessarily know that he is that either. But it, what it shows you, whether he's just matured or whether it's just change of scenery he's looked different in a different setting and he's been effective without the skill that everybody thought was going to be like his go-to skill as a pro. Um, so if that's the case and you feel like coaching development roster around him, whatever can make more of him than what he's shown, I would be reluctant to trade him. Uh, I would want a pretty good return for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, he's not real, real young, but he's not old. Um, Sexton even would intrigue me a little bit too. The irony here is that all these guys, I think we think more about them for their offensive skill, but I think you've got guys like Vanderbilt now, and you know, um, you've know, you got Beasley who could also score a little bit. So there's certain guys that I would be okay with trading, but you should want – at this point, like if you're going to be too far out in first and in, you know, in the top of the standings for a while and you're going to miss the, the top of the lottery anyway – you should want a lot back for those guys in return because, of course, you should want to make the playoffs if you're not going to win the lottery or if that's starting to look like uh-huh. a distant sort of hope. Uh, that's the question Ainge has to answer. I know he's not going to be that transparent with Chris um, as far as you know what he wants, but he was honest in saying, look, we're going to be opportunistic. And, I, I mean, that, that pretty blatantly tells you they're still going to look to trade guys yeah. and if they get a good enough offer for them. They're going to move them. And that is the way they should operate. But I think Markkanen is someone that they should keep regardless unless someone really pulls them over with an offer.
4: And it's crazy to think that you're saying that because a year ago, it took months for him to sign in free agency. He was the weird last mm-hmm. domino to fall. Like it's, It felt like no one wanted him. The Bulls seemed to have no interest in, in wanting him back. We were like, oh, is New Orleans going to get in a sign-and-trade for Lonzo? And they were like, "I remember are good. It felt like no one – and then everyone was like, Cleveland? It felt like Cleveland was just like, whatever, you know, he's out there. Cleveland had
5: like nine seven-footers at the time. It was really weird and then had like a great start to the season, had the best net rating in the East for months um, with a a three-seven-foot player lineup. It was was a weird dynamic. He's had a a, a weird start to his career, but – Um, even if, you know, even if stuff calms down a little bit, which I think it will, like there's aspects of that team that don't strike me as the most, you know, promising, like defensively, Mm. Kelly Olenek is their starting five, like, you know, the, the, the points in the paint that they've given up per game, I don't know how much it's improved or gotten worse, but they were worst in the league for a while, you know, in terms of how many points in the paint they were giving up, um, certain teams will be able to really punish that, um, and when other guys start to struggle a little bit more shooting it or whatever else, uh, you know, it, it, you, you see some potential for regression. Um, every team hits a rut at some point. Um, and I wonder if and when that happens with this team, do the conversations start to get a little bit louder about trades? Do guys start to press because of that? But. You know, we keep saying for how long it lasts. It's been very fun to watch. I hope they keep yeah. the team together. Just mm-hmm. as a basketball fan, but I yeah. also would be a little bit surprised if they do that because a team like Utah, and I think there are other teams you could have this conversation about, they just don't have the means to go out and get guys mm-hmm. through the you know free agency. No one's trying to sign there unless they're being bowled over by um, an right. offer, and so you have to you really have to make it count through the draft. And it, it seems like too good an opportunity not to try to make that happen this year, quite frankly. Um,
4: real quick, I didn't put that on the outline, but they came up a couple times in the course of the emails and our answers here. But the Pacers have also been frisky. Ooh. I like fun. the dude. Mather and Halberton is... How, how, that Kings trade, man. I, and the Kings have been interesting to watch. and have almost, been fun. They've not been bad, but I'd still just... The idea of trading the kind of player Halliburton is in today's NGA, it's like just you're seeing it come all together this year and he's been so good. I saw somewhere it was like Russell Westbrook's become the betting favorite to win sixth man of the year. And that doesn't mean he's been the best. You know, there's a lot of reasons why that happens, but like Benedict Matherin would probably win it if I was voting today.
5: Uh he'd be right there in the conversation. Yeah. I mean he's he's averaging, I think. I think he's averaging I looked it up the other day just out of curiosity. I think he's got the highest scoring average of all time for someone that came completely off the bench. Um, so Russ has already started a couple games, he wouldn't be coming completely off the bench. Mm. Obviously I know it's an award that, you know, the majority of the time are you coming off just the bench. Just goes for a
4: score, yeah. Right.
5: My my, my thing with Matherin that I I don't worry about it, but just for the sake of winning the award, I can't ever I don't know that a rookie's ever won that award. But with him do they trade Buddy Heald, and then does Matherin become a starter Mm, because of it? Right, Um, right, right. But, I mean, clearly this backcourt for a while should be set. I mean, it's early, but Matherin's only had a couple games where he hasn't scored 20. Mm -hmm. Um, He looks the part of an NBA player, like kind of the way Justice Winslow came in the league. He looks like, you know, he's just a big dude, a strong dude. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Matherin, I was watching one of his games because I was going to write – I was going to kind of write my whole newsletter about him the other day, and then he had a – a little bit, like he had his worst game of the season the night before I was going to do my. Oh, that setting. always happens, yep. So I was like, okay, so he had an eight-point game. But even then, he still had nice moments. Um, he still found ways to get involved. And what I loved about it was that he had a sequence where uh, the announcers even pointed it out, where because he had struggled in the first half, he started to get a little bit gun-shy about shooting the ball, which he does not hesitate when he's at his best. mm mm-hmm. um, And he had a couple open looks that he kind of, like, dribbled around or kind of hesitated. And the announcers were like, he's got to shoot that because it's, like, hurting the offense, him not taking those shots. And so then when the second half started, Halliburton said something to him, like, I'm going to look for you. And coming out of the half, as soon as they they were on the court together um, when Matherin came off the bench, uh, Halliburton found him with a lob, a left-handed pass for a lob. And then the next play, Matherin found Halliburton for a three, and it's like, man, these guys, you know, there's they leave a little bit to be desired defensively, obviously. They're young guys. But just the shooting that they have, the playmaking ability that they have, um, it, it, it's going to be something to watch. Like, can the Pacers get one more guy to put around this core? Can they get something good in return if they do trade off Miles Turner other than Russell Westbrook or something like that? Uh, you know, him or healed. Like, what do they get back? Because there's... A real future there and we're not used to seeing the Pacers high up in the lottery they just haven't it really them and Utah are kind of like the two teams that have never and you know obviously the Spurs have been good for a long time now but uh they're fascinating and they're they're really to me have been one of the three or four most fun teams to watch mm-hmm. so far to start the season
4: they they the nuggets in hell the other night and they dropped 70 in the first half it kind yeah. of fell apart there at the end, and you know Jokic, but like Halliburton had that that step back over Jokic, and Oof.
0: Mathur was Halbert's hitting big shots. Yeah, yeah, man, it's uh, they're a fun team. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time.
3: It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you, something to wear that
1: Restrictions apply. Let's go
4: to a team that's frankly not been very fun. And the vibes have been incredibly (laughs) sus. Um, Incredibly dark vibes surrounding this team. We got to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, They have just been not very good. Like They lost by double digits to a Phoenix team the other night that was missing both Cam Johnson and Chris Paul. Like, gave up 129 points uh, to a team without uh, two of their starters. Uh, They're five and seven now. Uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, there's the clip going around of him standing with his hands on his hips while the team's running a play. That's never good. I'm going to pull up their net rating here in a second. Uh, They're 16th in the league, minus one net rating. Um, You know what's bad as you talk about
5: net rating? Because. I Like I had to keep using the caveat that I know they haven't looked good, but their defensive rating is still ninth in the league. I think over the course of either two or three games, they fell from ninth to 17th in defense. Oof, um, yeah. Like <laughs> with like with what you said with guys from the other teams that were missing. So it's not a good look at all. Um, not a good look if you at got all. A, you got Gobert anchoring your defense and you're that bad defensively.
4: Well, that's really the thing is I think a lot of people were expecting them to be this great regular season team. And we'll see what happens in the postseason. Um, And a lot of that was Gobert. I I wouldn't say there was hype, but I think people had so much respect for the way he could lift the floor of a team defensively that, you know, they were expecting great things. Their starting lineup, which is Gobert, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Towns, Edwards, and McDaniels. In 99.7 offensive rating, negative 6.2 net rating, minus 6.2 net rating. Um, Anderson, Kyle Anderson, Russell, Towns, Edwards, McDaniels, minus 10.8 net rating. Uh, their bench has been great. The McLaughlin, Nazareed, Anthony Edward lineup has played 16 minutes together and has a 61 net. So,
2: mm-hmm.
4: small sample size, honestly, out of the starting lineup. Their starting lineup is. Played 120 minutes more than any other lineup, but it's not been good. So what have you made of the Wolves so far? Um, Do you feel like they can turn it around? I mean, I expect them to be a little bit better, but I'm curious what you think. I'll let you go first.
5: Um, The defense has looked very much like they're still trying to figure stuff out, particularly when Towns and Gobert are there. Uh, I think you and I talked last week about just how incredible aspects of their bench – have have looked uh, mm-hmm. particularly Nas Reed McLaughlin's been very good for them and I think that what they found success with a lot of times has been um when Anthony Davis has or not Anthony Davis I'm sorry Anthony Edwards has been out there with their bench that they've looked pretty good I think it's less convoluted for mm-hmm. Edwards to make sense of as opposed to having two uh, bigs and I think he said
4: know. either right before the season or early in the season he's like I play better in small lineups
5: yeah, yeah. um for any number of reasons because he can handle it. He could be a role man. He can, you know, he can kind of spot up somewhere on the perimeter, but it just like, there's too much going on from the standpoint of Russell. It it sounds unfair, but I I kind of feel like he's the X factor in all this because Hmm. how are you making the pick and roll stuff work? This was always my concern with them offensively is, you know, how how does one of the bigs handle kind of being stationed in a corner um, or, or stationed in a dunker spot or something where they're just kind of not a factor for a minute? Um, Towns can do that a little bit because he's such a good shooter. Gobert, it, 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 you know, it's just – it doesn't really seem like a great fit from that standpoint. So I wondered about that, and I think maybe I said it last week. Um, I was convinced – this would work just because, it again, it was such a massive gamble Minnesota was making that I felt like they had to have other data and be privy to other stuff than we were because it's like they literally bet the farm on this. Again, from what I was saying a few minutes ago, not just the picks, but three good rotation guys that could help most teams. Mm-hmm. Wing players that you know come at a premium in this league to play well defensively. So you're letting them go. And to go back to what I was saying about Russell – You've got to make the pick and roll stuff work. You've got to make everybody feel involved. You've got a young star wing that, like you said, hands on his hips. And Russell so far has not quite been good enough. I think he's gotten a little bit better lately, but has not shot it well. And, you know, um, aside from that, I mean, a clip that probably has gone more viral than anything else this year with him failing to check in as play had started unbelievable, um, unbelievable, for a five on four where they gave up a three. So there's that. I mean, we could get to the other stuff where um, Lowe had a great um, breakdown of Towns in his 10 things column this morning, basically pointing out that Towns has looked clueless on defense. I think particularly when Gobert isn't there, which there's no excuse for that mm-hmm. because that – even if you're saying that it looks clunky because of Gobert okay so now in the moments where Gobert's not there you're going back to what you essentially had yes, last year exactly. and Towns looks lost like he doesn't know what he looks like he's doing on screens he comes up too high he lingers too high at the top of the key um i expect for there to be some clunkiness with him and Gobert but uh Towns has to be better uh like he's been fine offensively he's got the highest assist rate of his career so far so he's been good there um even though he's, you know, shot it less and posted up less and stuff. But the defense, like this team has no chance if they're not at least good on defense, because maybe they have a chance, but I just feel like the point of getting Gobert had to be for your defense to become great at some point. And if they're not even good and their offense looks as clunky as it does and looks way less disjointed when they go to their bench, it it's there's just a lot of backward stuff happening with this team. For sure. And uh Russell has not helped that and it makes me wonder do they need to make one more move to try to smooth some of this stuff out um
4: it felt like a lot of people penciled him in top five defensively top 10 defensively sure and that is and that is in large part because out of respect for gobert as, as much criticism as he gets it's not like the jazz had a bunch of talented defenders around him they traded um, him yeah but at the same time they traded him and uh they've been better for it it's to me it's frightening chris it's it's like you know, looking at some of the two-man lineup combinations, Towns and Edwards a minus, bad, Towns and Gobert a minus. Really and Gobert a minus, Edwards and Gobert minus. Like that shouldn't <laughs> really? happen with your best players. You know, it's one thing. Oh, your bench is killing yeah. you. Um, okay, these this pair doesn't work, but maybe this one does. It's like no. However, you break up those three guys, it hasn't been good. I'm with you, like Towns, like offensively the assist rate that you mentioned that like the playmaking's been good. You know, we talked about this with Pina a lot during the playoffs. Like, he, as frustrating as he was at times, like, was, I think, getting, we were seeing him become a little bit better of a decision maker, at least, you know, when doubles came, etc. But it, you mentioned that they went all in on this. Like, and Edwards have been on the floor for 343 minutes together, and they have a minus five net. Like, that's terrible mm. for a, a duo like that. That's really bad.
5: It's, it's bad. Um, I mean, you've talked about the vibes where uh, Edwards certainly you know made a joke, but it wasn't a joke, about how poorly the starters <laughs> yeah, were playing yeah. versus the bench last week looking at the box score. As he was being interviewed about it, um, Towns made the comment about the kind of passive-aggressive comment about Anthony Edwards' diet. And oh, my how God,
4: the Popeyes thing?
5: Yeah, how Towns was like, well, I've got to be more of a leader. I've got to be better. Like, that's on me, too. And it's like, you know, let let me not try to to psychoanalyze Towns. He
4: was trying. He was trying
5: to take the (laughs) shot at Edwards to kind of get him to eat better. Yeah, but But, it was also like,
4: it was like he watched like a, like a how to nail your basketball press conference YouTube video the night before.
5: There's a lot of stuff that yeah. Towns does and says yeah. like that, and I think it actually annoys people. And again, yeah. I'm not trying to make this like a, a pile right. on Carl Anthony Towns things. He's he's, he's, been he's trying the last to few years.
4: He's trying to live up to society's expectations of what. The number one guy in on a basketball team is supposed to be, and it's like he's in a lose-lose situation.
5: He, he's not that guy. I mean, yeah. like, we, we, we already saw the Jimmy Butler stuff. It's not to say yeah. you can't grow. And it's not to say, by the way, that Jimmy Butler handled that stuff as appropriately right. as he should have. He didn't. Right. But um, but I, I feel like the book – He's early in his career, but the book has kind of been written on towns and kind of the, the way he operates, the way he talks, the way he carries himself. Uh, that's all fine. But I – I just kind of, like you said, the vibes don't seem real great, and it's going to be hard for them to be great, even with the team being around 500. One, that's not good enough for what they gave up. And two, even if they can manage to be 500, if it's because their bench is lifting them to that extent and kind of rising, you know, lifting them just high enough to not sink, um, but the star players don't play well together or while they're in there together, um, it, it, it creates and raises bigger problems, and the vibes... It would be hard for the vibes to be good. No one's comfortable in a situation like that where Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot riding on this. And, uh, I mean, it's too early for this conversation right now. But at some point, the conversation would have to shift to maybe after this year, after next year. Like, how do we get out of this? Yeah. Because you've got Edwards there. He's clearly a guy that has superstar potential. You've got Towns, a guy that I think statistically is already a superstar, regardless of how much or how little they've won um if gobert was the piece that kind of screwed it up as far as like okay if we're not going to be a great defense is it worth having him here how do you spin yourself out of this and i i don't know i don't even want to begin to think about what that answer looks like yeah uh after what they just sacrificed to get him so again it was a big gamble it was one that i assumed like i i picked chris Finch as coach of the year because i was like Minnesota had to have studied the crap mm-hmm. out of this yeah. to have made this deal. They they have to have a really solid plan for how this is going to work. And maybe they have, and then we're just not seeing it work yet, but it, it has not looked productive to this point. And, and 500 is not going to be good enough for what they well, bet the farm on.
4: I mean, speaking of that, so right now the top six in the West are Utah, Portland, Phoenix, Denver, Memphis, and the Clippers. Crazy. let's let's say utah and port let's say even utah and portland fall out okay let's say okay. all right and i like portland a lot this is no disrespect to portland they've been really good injuries guys coming in yep. well coached team playing incredible another good win yesterday yeah exactly just for sake of argument i'm saying utah and portland drop out just because they're kind of the unexpected ones so far you still have dallas waiting in the wings new orleans mm-hmm. um and golden Warriors? state yeah exactly golden <laughs> state which is not in the top 10 right now and when i'm the reason i bring this up is minnesota might be right back in the plan like they might have made this move and be right Ooh. back in the playing. like you know i said i don't i'm not convinced they're going to get out of the first round like if they don't get out of the plan if they take a step back that is uh you know i love tim connelly i think what he did with the nuggets was fantastic it's a massive swing for him to take. And there's a chance to he's take getting a, si- a
5: piece of ownership for this. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> I mean, again, it's
5: still really, really early. Yes, like, yes. not, I'm not trying to bury them, but it the early returns have not been good, and it's one of those things where uh, it's like any movie where you know you have the heist scene or Breaking Bad where they are trying to steal the the methylamine. Uh, if you if you if you watch the show and you know
4: what it I is. I actually have never seen Breaking Bad, funnily enough. I know, uh, dude. I know. I am I'm, I'm putting out a reference that <laughs> Rohan doesn't know. Oh my God.
5: They, they 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 essentially they they are trying to figure out how to keep making meth without uh-huh. the main product that they need to do it, the methylamine. They decide to steal it from a a, a big train, like a basically a freight train going across country. They put a truck on the tracks to make the train stop and then they just you know they have someone kind of play dumb with the train conductor for like 15-20 minutes so they can steal just enough methylamine without and, and replace the methylamine with water okay. um, as they're taking it and siphoning it out of the of the tanks um, and as you're doing that you're biting your nails all the time I imagine that's how tim Connolly has to be it's early (laughs) that that was a really roundabout way of telling that analogy but my point is until you pull off the heist uh of actually winning something getting away with something you're going to be biting your nails that entire time uh you wouldn't be doing that if you had utah's record right now It, it only becomes like this it only becomes this consequential when you've given up the farm Yeah, for a team that is not a free agent draw. Even if you were a free agent draw, we were, we just got done talking about towns. Like he's very, very talented, but like, I don't know if he has the sort of personality that people are flocking to want to go play with him. Maybe Anthony Edwards will become that for them, but there's a lot riding on this. And it's again, while it's early, the, the returns, it's, it's not like LeBron and Wade, not working out ideally for the first few games of their tenure where you knew they had the ability to work it out. This is a more, this is a bigger question on defense and some of the stuff on offense might not be able to work because of the way those two operate. Um, Certainly not with Russell, you know, so I, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I've tried not to kill them early on, but I don't think anybody who's a Minnesota fan is like enjoying this experience right now. There, There aren't that many bright spots aside from their bench.
4: It's been rough, man. I, and by the way, shout out to their bench. It's like Torian Prince, Jalen Noel, uh, Nas Reed, uh, McLaughlin. That, that's that been a ton of fun. Like all credit to those guys. Um, <laughs> those groups have been really good and really exciting. There are
0: some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses.
1: Restrictions apply. I
4: wanted to get to this email from Asaf, who writes in, Hey Rohan and Co. Asaf, I hope I'm saying your name right, brother. I'm sorry if I'm not. Um, Asaf from Oakland here. I've been listening to the show since the Ben and Andrew days. And I'm so glad Rohan took over the pod and the rule of the DPRB is over. Uh, Chris, you, I told Gons on Monday, I'm just going to bring it back up for you, that my biggest pet peeve... Of like the boston propagandists and their misinformation misinformation mm-hmm. campaigns <laughs> is like they always call danny Ainge danny it's never uh it's never danny age it's always like oh i wonder how danny's gonna react to this or i hate it dude it's so <laughs> annoying you notice that though right they're yeah. always saying danny bro <laughs> it's like relax that's pretty funny that's yeah. actually really
5: funny they're always First like basis
4: yeah and they're like oh danny's gotta be loving this or you know, I think Danny was thinking about doing this, or how smart was Danny for making the Tatum? It's like, that's vin- vintage Danny on the ta- Oh, I hate it.
5: I, I, I could tell you were not a fan just from this, this <laughs> last minute or so. But that's actually a really good observation.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Also <laughs> in, I was watching my Warriors almost crap the bed against the Kings and waste another amazing Steph performance. Apart from from being deeply depressed by the young players, what happened to Poole? I just keep being reminded how lucky I am that I get to have Steph on my team and live through that in real time. Which got me to appreciate another part of Steph being the GOAT. The antics and celebration on the court. I think over the last couple years, he's some of the most memorable and best in-game celebrations. The Boston Final series gave us both the put-a-ring-on-it and the night-night, although the night-night he was using even earlier in the playoffs. I think the person has to be cool enough to pull it off and not force it. Another example would be Dame with the Dame time. Not like Westbrook with the corny AF putting the baby to sleep. I like that one. That's me. And he said, too everybody. Boring. And then he goes, everybody and their sister is doing the too small, which is just a week at this point. I everybody actually think, and their sister. I think the Lord. best too small was actually hit by Dwayne Wade on his son in that like clip of them playing one-on-one. Like, that was just so <laughs> messed up. And um, so he says, I was trying to think who in the NBA currently has the best celebrations uh chris which ones do you like which ones do you not like um yeah floor is yours, brother man i
5: you know it's a really good question first yeah. of all do you I think russ know. putting the
4: baby to sleep is corny
5: dog it's been cor- like you can't be on the <laughs> trade block doing <laughs>
4: that's the thing The problem- you can't be
5: on your way out of town doing celebration dances like that is literally the equivalent of your team being down 33 to seven in football and then you doing a touchdown dance like (laughs) you granted I know it's been a good week for Russ relatively speaking given how low the stock was a week Mm -hmm. or two ago I get it but no I mean it 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 tends to be it tends to look tone deaf when he does it (laughs) it does 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 look look tone deaf sound tone deaf whatever Um, you know when he's doing it and he's shooting seven of 18 like no it just looks bad Um, And, and, you know, also, Russ is a big, strong dude. Like, maybe he's not tall, but, like, okay, you are stronger than a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. They are (laughs) potentially too small to guard you. But, again, if they're holding you to 7 of 18 – so. It's overblown. It's, yeah, it's, it's Shelby, been not my favorite for a while.
4: Producer Shelby writes in: Ben Mclemore did the three to the vein after every three last season, even when they were down twenty-five. I'm letting Ben Mclemore cook though. He's had a long road, brother. He's, yeah, I'm good yeah. with Ben Mclemore doing it. <laughs> yeah.
5: I, I, shout out to Ben Mclemore. Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I think for me, aside from the one where LeBron used to do like the whole. When he was in Miami, when he would like the silencer lower the floor, is the silencer, yeah, yeah, is that what it's called? You yeah, made I believe that up so.
4: on your own? No, I think it's called the silencer, it's Nick Van Exels, right? I believe it's because he okay. started doing it on the road. I believe it's called the silencer,
5: yeah, okay. Well, either way, I liked that one. That one felt like that one was sick. Him. That one was uh, sick. I, it, like,
4: I've, I've gotten up like on from my couch and done that a couple times. He hit a game winner against the Warriors when I was in college. Um, And I may have gotten up off the couch and did it.
5: It always felt well-timed. So, I mean, I think that – I think Steph, if we're talking about celebrations, when Steph turns around before he's made a three mm-hmm. and then it goes in, it always looks sick. Um, but, you know, to the question of, like, current cele- – I don't think most of the current ones are good. Mm. I don't even think most of the current ones are memorable. Um, The ones that I can kind of remember – Jason Terry floating away, you know, being oh, a jet plane. God. Not that I don't, liked it, but it was don't. memorable,
4: dude. Jason Terry's not welcome in my family's household. <laughs> I could understand why. <laughs> I, 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 I get it.
5: Shout uh, out to the jet, man. <laughs> so it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite. I didn't even like it, but it, like at least it was his. Uh, there was an element of him that because he looked so much smaller than other people on the court yeah. that I always. Pictured him running around barefoot. He like was a little kid. he was
4: peak like small dude, baggy shorts era basketball player.
5: Headband, yeah, yep, like yep. he was the creative player on yeah, like two K. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was that one, but also you know from the years I covered the Knicks, uh, like to me the way I read it was like corny white dude celebration with Steve Novak with the discount double check oh. when he made threes. <laughs> like I just kind of liked was it because so I'm like. Lame. <laughs> this is it's so lame but it's like it, it's you know it's it like a dad joke of yeah, a yeah. three-point yeah. celebration and steve novak was that dude so you know he was exactly that sort of person so i was good with it from that standpoint i think dame time is probably
4: dame the time is sick. one it's dame sick.
5: time feels like uh like a wrestling like it, it felt yeah. like the move like the when uh the rock would like Kind of stop before he did the uh, the people's elbow, <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. would kind of look out in the crowd, yeah, he, yeah. like Dame. It, it feels well yeah. timed, where it's like it yeah. only happens once every couple games. Right. It's like right. it's like a it's like a a finisher move. Yes, in wrestling. Yes, yes, and
4: So Dame, Dame was always really Dame, good for that reason. Dame hitting the game winner in the OKC series and waving them off the court is still is great. So iconic. One of the it's best so ones. So iconic. <laughs> i'll just
5: go ahead oh go ahead go ahead i i I still think like i you know i i know for me basketball killed my fandom like covering the league killed my fandom my fandom was already pretty much gone by that point anyway you know i was a bulls fan as a kid uh but like if i had to pick like one person where i'm just like yo i would run through a wall for this dude like in the league when dame has it going and dame Mm -hmm. does stuff like that it's like I can't imagine what it must feel like to be a Blazers fan just because that sort of stuff. Like I got hype, and I didn't give a damn who won the OKC Portland series. You're sending them off at home with a 40-foot step back or whatever the hell he did on Paul George. It's just nasty. And so Dame Dame always kind of seems to have that stuff pegged in time pretty
2: well.
4: Um, I'll go – this person doesn't have a celebration, but if we're talking antics – I'll just say Jimmy Butler never looks like he's playing the game too seriously. Like they're in overtime against the Hornets last night in a game that he mm-hmm. desperately need to win. Jimmy Butler's just like that. laughing, like just doing like he had a bit like a couple years ago, like he pretended he got poked in the eye, then he's like lifting up his hands looking around to see if anyone noticed he's faking it and then like he's just constantly messing around like Jimmy Butler looks like he's just having a good good time messing around on the basketball court, he's always laughing he's always like he makes faces like every time like he'll hit a shot and then he'll come back on the court like shaking his head like oh I can't <laughs> believe I did that one like um I really enjoy the joy that Jimmy Butler plays with um so I'll put him On that list. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's not a lot of good, like, Steph's, like, go to sleep one is really good. Like, that's a really good one. But we don't have like a bunch of great, they've like all really been homogenized. Like, so it's all like, you know, three to the dome, you know, Mm -hmm. three in the veins. It's all that kind of stuff. Like, we don't have anyone doing, I think, anything truly singular I mean LeBron doesn't I think he's retired the silence I don't know when the last time he did it I
5: I don't see him do it anymore I wish he would I mean well now there hasn't been good reason to the team's way Uh, too
4: bad for him to do
5: it now yeah (laughs) they they need to go on a six game win streak before they're allowed to do any sort of celebration Uh.
4: Um, but yeah there's uh, I think there's players with good antics trying to think who else I I watch that like has a good time and I think antics is not the way to describe him but like when the team is good or was good, like, oh God, Anthony Edwards is someone who I, I feel like plays with that joy. Like, there's just guys who look like they're KD. KD's a really good one, like, has a really good time. Like, he was booing Knicks fans before the Knicks games the other night. Like, he KD mixes it up with the best player on the other team, like, more often than not. Like, um, that's the kind of stuff I like watching, like, guys who just really seem to enjoy it every single night. Yeah, um,
5: Edwards Edwards presents enough opportunities for us to celebrate, yeah, you know, yeah, just the when the he dunks, dunks and yeah. stuff, regardless of what he does. Uh so I hope he, it would be I don't know. I enjoy the league being fun. I know everybody can't win. I know there have to be some disappointing teams just by definition of what the league is, but uh I've part of what I've enjoyed so much so far is uh the teams that have overachieved um you do lose something with the teams that underachieve just because when they have fun players, particularly young ones like Edwards that really lights the league on fire, the highlights on fire for a night or two. Um, You know, it would be cool to see him at least have those moments yeah. if the team is not going to be good. I hope he gets a lot of dunks in.
4: Also Ja, everything Memphis does like everything oh, yeah. Memphis does. Is do awesome. Him? The team celebrations. They're awesome. Um, They've been they were, good,
5: too, because we were, were we were kind of chirping on them just a yeah, little bit as definitely. far as, you know, what difference would it make not having Jaron Jackson? They're I, right there, I, um, I, I, they, and they've lost I, a couple of close ones, too.
4: I think he was at the game like a week or two ago, but they were playing like a money bag Yo song at the arena like a couple weeks ago, and it was like, it was edited, but it was the most lightly edited, like, in, like inappropriate, I guess. Like, I don't care. I was glad they I saw that it. they shouldn't edit it. But it's like it was a shocking like chorus to hear in an NBA arena. And I was like, <laughs> Memphis is awesome.
5: They're pretty great. I mean, I'm, I'm still really enjoying them. I know yeah. it's funny because they're not everybody's favorite. They they certainly chirp and talk a lot mm-hmm. for a team that hasn't been to the conference finals. Hasn't won anything, it. yeah. But I, I don't care. Like I don't, I, my nothing about what I'm doing is based or you know factored into what they do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm cool with them talking a lot. I think it makes the league more entertaining. As it's long also as it's like respectful, you know, to yeah. some extent. But they also uh, not it's not, hurting like they, anyone.
4: they back it up. Like they play good. They beat teams. I mean, they push the Warriors. Like they. It's not like they are bad.
2: I'm either. good with it. Yeah. I'm me good too. with it. Yeah.
0: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports.
1: restrictions apply
4: I want to get to an email here from Elliot gold uh, Elliot thank you for your email. He writes in you know I didn't we keep talking about Kyrie seemingly every episode and I really was not dying to get to it today but we had like you know LeBron tweeting yesterday that he thinks Kyrie should be able to play. Uh, Kyrie met with Adam Silver um, it sounds to me like what the Nets have said Kyrie needs to do which I think is are the steps that I think we should be moving toward in general, um, which is, you know, finding remedial solutions, like finding ways to kind of, you know, educate people who've done the wrong thing, like not just so they can get back on the court, but so that we can prevent this harmful behavior from happening again. That's, that's really the, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we kind of undo harm? And I think, you know the Nets seem to be making an attempt to do that, and I think it's I think it's becoming low key, like an union issue. Like, is this permissible under our CBA, etc.? You know, obviously some players think you could play. Elliot writes in, "I've been really disappointed by how NBA players uh, have responded to Kyrie." Um, you know, he he goes on to say, "I don't want to compare the experiences of Jewish people or Black people." But NBA players aren't showing connection or understanding of the seriousness of what Kyrie did. I mean, even Jalen Brown, who, again, is a vice president in the union. Or is Jalen? No, McCollum's the president. Jalen Brown, a vice president in the union. Coming out and saying he thinks Kyrie maybe should have to go through all these steps before he plays again. Elliot's saying, I've been an NBA fan for a long time. But especially after LeBron's comments, I'm doing some rethinking. Um, this is a This has been a thorny subject that I personally have gone back and forth on a lot of times because of there's times where I'm like I think players need to speak up um, you know they've been speaking up about other things um, and it's hard it, it sounds harsh but sometimes it feels like you can lose a little bit of credibility when you speak about certain things but not other things and on the other hand I'm like you know it seems like we can't make you know we all it also feels unfair to be like, oh, because you care about the issues in your community, you need to speak up on literally everything that's going on in the world at all times. Right. Like, there was a time when LeBron was getting asked about literally every single societal issue in the world. And it, I don't know. I just I honestly don't know where I fall on it. Um, I like obviously none of us agree with the things Kyrie have posted um, and it feels like it should be easy to say that. And then you know when you mix in the factors of a largely white media, or you know, there's so many factors here at play, and people not really having a full understanding of other people's perspectives, et cetera. I, I'm I'm just genuinely curious, like if you feel strongly about it either way, because I, I I I find myself conflicted. And I i and I'm like I don't know if there's an obvious answer. I'm just being completely honest. Like maybe I'm just being naive, and I need someone to push me in the right direction. I think.
5: um it's been, like, I'll just say it. It's been disappointing that fewer people have spoken up, um, even the ones that have haven't really yeah.
4: when, when condemned Steve, it. When Steve Kerr was, it was like, I'm not touching that one. I was like, why, what is so loaded about this?
5: You know what? You know what I think it might be to some extent with that? And and by the way, he did circle back on it yeah, when he was he asked. Yeah, he did, yeah. Like, he, he did. It wasn't that he just left it alone completely. He did touch on it more in that press conference, which I think he deserves some credit for. Um. I think, and this is me as is a black man kind of just sharing my opinion on it. I think um I think that there's a lack to some extent a lack of education in the black community of exactly how some of the things that were within that link and within that video and that movie that Kyrie watched and posted. Um there's a sometimes a lack of understanding of exactly what about it is anti Semitic and also like if it is anti-Semitic to to some people, they don't understand how. Um, obviously, the, the the main takeaway is like, okay, if you're shedding any, if if you're like, even giving validity to any doubt about the Holocaust or whether it was as lethal as what has been said, that alone is bad enough. But <laughs> yeah. um, but I, <laughs> that, but I think is,
4: also yeah, also the largest been red like flag. A, yeah.
5: That I mean that one is the clearest one and like why mm-hmm. he should have just apologized instantly. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what's lost here is that um, as union heads, I understand that they have to vouch for Kyrie on some, or like not vouch, but like defend him on some level. Um, I mean, my at least establish a it,
4: process. Yeah. Right. For for, yeah. for
5: future stuff, like, you know, I I, I don't know if it was Jalen Brown or someone else saying like, there's not, I think it might've been McCollum who's saying like, there's not anything in our policy about right. social media and, and the right. ability to suspend people over that. Particularly, like if he posted that without comment, right? Just posted it and then left it alone. Um, Okay, that's fine. But like he, for a while, kind of refused to delete it, right? He wouldn't apologize for it, he wouldn't respond to his owner's text messages, Uh, you know. And then after he was suspended, then he apologized, which what I I get a little frustrated about is that LeBron and other people, like, yo, he's apologized now. Yeah, because he was absolutely, for, like he yeah. was literally forced to.
4: Because the policies because his that, money started getting messed up. Out.
5: Yeah. Right. Nike left, you know, decided to suspend things with him, probably end things with him. So at that point, he's been forced, which that was the problem with how long this dragged out. anyway, which to his credit, he doesn't deserve much, but to his credit, Adam Silver now acknowledges, we have probably waited too long to do something. Because at that point, it was a no win for everybody. Because, yeah, Kyrie apologized, but only after he was punished, only after a week um, of kind of weighing these possibilities, all he had to do was apologize and it never became this issue. To get to the, the last one or two things I wanted to say about it, I do think there's a, a, a somewhat of a lack of understanding in the black community that is somewhat tangled because you do have kind of what seems like an increasing number of people that are curious about like black Israelites and kind of black ties to Israel and, 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 um, and Judaism. Quite frankly, that people feel like I think what Kyrie was trying to say, as misguided as it was, was that like I can't be anti Semitic if I know where I come from. I think he was trying to say there's a kinship here that I have. And if there's ties that we have, essentially saying like I can't be racist toward people that I have ties to, that we come from the same place. Like, how could I be racist? That wasn't good enough in light of what we were talking about with that video and what he posted, mm. I, in my opinion. But I do think that there's confusion around that, um, and I think that because of that, some people don't know what they'd be criticizing about what Kyrie did or said. Um, I also think the other part of it that is challenging, too, is um, within the media, it, it is something where, like, quite frankly... I don't know how th- that the media knows how to really navigate this like right right Nick Fidel was asking the right questions, but after a while, again, because the leak didn't do anything to force Kyrie's hand or Kyrie wasn't interested in apologizing, this dragged on for a week and now it pushed this video to number one on the charts, like the most watched thing Amazon had for a week, which gave it more life than Kyrie's tweet ever did, uh, which is sad like because I understand that you have to make news of it to draw attention to it, to shed light on it. But it was promoted. Even Like Kyrie was like, what did I promote? Okay. He did promote it, but then the media promoted it way more. Yeah. And we were guilty of it too. Like SI, it's a news story. So yeah. I understand it. But how many columns did we write about this last week? Yeah. I think every one of us on our NBA staff wrote a column about this yeah. or about the Nets. You know, everybody had an opinion. It was the talk of ESPN. It was at the top of ESPN. Nike suspended the deal with them. Like, Everything was tied to it, but it also more heavily promoted this movie. Mm -hmm. So I I have mixed feelings on some of it, not about Kyrie and what he did. It was wrong. He should have apologized. The Nets should have made him apologize. They should have suspended him earlier. The League should have suspended him earlier. Figure out exactly what the ramifications are later as far as how long he can suspend him for. I understand the union has to do their part, but it was really disappointing that nobody would come out and condemn it. Yeah, yeah. When it was obvious that there was something wrong there. And it was messed up to me that Kyrie, up until he was suspended, didn't feel a need to apologize yeah. for it. Um, so all of it was disappointing. But I do think that I don't know how that looks, but the media making it so big to where it was like the only story in the NBA, seemingly. And granted, the Imei Udoka stuff was swirling too. So mm-hmm. it was the nets that were kind of creating a lot of this mess too. But like, there's got to be a way of, covering this where it's not yeah. so wall-to-wall that it helps promote the theories that are so inappropriate in the first yeah. place.
4: Yeah. You know, I think what I'd say to you, to the emailer, Elliot, at least, is I'm, I'm really sympathetic to what you're saying. Like, I agree. Like, it, this should have been easy to condemn. The NBA should have condemned it more strongly when it came out. Uh, same with the Nets. Same with players. Like, I do, I do agree. Like, I wish more people were speaking out and... I was not jazzed. I was not uh, like a, not really a fan of the LeBron tweets that Kyrie needs to be playing. Like it's to me, it's not. We get so caught up on apologies that we forget about accountability. Like it's not. It's not just apologizing. What's, it what's it's what comes next. Yep. It's can can you yep. can you show some kind of reconciliation, rehabilitation, whatever it is. Like we get so caught up on oh, just say sorry. Like that's important. That's a big step. He was Th- There's ways to, to do it he right. He also didn't yeah. do it on his own. Exactly. But um, the
5: ADL returned, yeah. you know, said we don't want his donation anymore yeah. because it felt so insincere to them. Yeah. So that that's what I'm saying is, like, I I could get with some of this if Kyrie had proactively yeah. – I mean, none of it was proactive after he was called out the way it yeah. was. But, like, if he had gone out of his way day two of this, maybe mm-hmm. not even the first day, maybe not even after the initial Fredell kyrie mm-hmm. back and forth – Maybe day two, day three. If he can apologize, and you can tell that that was done in his own accord, or even if it wasn't because Joe Sai was already texting with them mm-hmm. and Kyrie apparently not responding. If it had been somewhere in the middle of that process, fine. Maybe you suspend him for a game or two. He comes back. He you know, he agrees to do work with these groups, to sit down with these groups, to make a donation. At that point, you could actually make the case that like he's reflected. He's talked to people. He understands what was wrong with it. We were going on a week and you yeah. had all these people in his ear, he wouldn't budge at all on any of it and actually was making it worse in some ways. Like, let's keep in yeah. mind here. He, like, I get it. You you want to dig in your heels on things because you're difficult. You're kind of, what, what did Woj call him? A disruptor, whatever <laughs> yeah. he called him. If that's yeah. how you are, I get it. But when you're asked straight up, do you hold anti-Semitic views and you're sitting there getting, in my opinion, Again, I, I I think I understand what he was trying to get at. It was wrong, completely wrong. Um, but how easy is it to just say, no, I don't? Yeah. And if he had done that, which is still what Adam Silver is trying to answer for, is that he had the meeting with him. He's like, I talked to him and I firmly believe he doesn't have anti-Semitic views. Like, he's still trying to clarify that because to a lot of people, it's still not clear. And that's yeah. the shame of it. And the other shame of it, again, is what I said. Today. Yeah. This has now been so heavily talked about and written about and most of all of us come down on the same side with it that all it's done is served to promote this video more and that is exactly what we don't want to happen unless we suddenly trust our society to know what to do with stuff that is yeah. misinformation and we, we've seen time and time again In the last six years, that's just not the case. Yeah. So it's really disappointing. It's really sad, and absolutely to the emailer, I absolutely wish more people had condemned this. Yeah. I, I, you, you want people that have been, um, who've dealt with unfair, unequal, dangerous, you know, lethal treatment in this country around the world mm-hmm. to feel more of a kinship toward each other because right. we have a shared struggle in that way. Yeah. And I don't think that the NBA and, and, and the players in the NBA really reflected that. Um, and I, I, the best I can hope for is that that was because that too many of them didn't understand yeah. exactly what this was. But I, I also don't want to infantilize them and say that they don't yeah. understand it. Maybe they do. Sure. And that would, be, that would actually make it worse, in my opinion, Definitely. if they understood fully what it was and still weren't backing. Yeah. Um, people of jewish descent
4: right and at the end of the day the league you know other people have said this they back themselves into this corner where on one hand i am like are we entitled to know the personal beliefs on every topic of every player in the nba i don't know but you know i do think there is some credence to the idea that the nba has wrapped itself up so much in you know causes for lack of a better phrase and sure you know, what they were doing at the bubble and the slogans and things like that, that once you have kind of staked out that corner, then you, you need to be prepared for things like this. And I think the league was not and, and more people absolutely um, should have condemned what Kyrie said. But Chris... I think that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much again to our listeners. Thank you so much for everyone truly from the bottom of our hearts who listens to this podcast. Hits us up. We really appreciate it. Please keep the emails coming open for mail at gmail.com. Until the next episode, please continue to enjoy the NBA season.
2: if you dare.
0: Mo'Play. play